0: anyway.
1: Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portzline with you here, Friday, March fifteenth. Allison Lucan is there. Hello. And Tom Reed, of course, is there. Hello. Uh, Blue Jackets. He got, I'm always I'm the conservative voice among this sort of talk. This is a huge game, big game, must-win game, mm-hmm. Even when sometimes it isn't necessarily. This tonight is a huge game. Uh, Carolina is in town. Who could have imagined we'd be talking about a huge game with the Carolina Hurricanes uh, in mid-March with playoff implications, but it is massive. The Blue Jackets are currently eighth place in the East, second wild card. Carolina is, is the holder of the first wild card, seventh in the East. And you don't have to know too much about hockey to know that, A, the Blue Jackets need to first make the playoffs. And, B, they don't want to be the second wild card where they are now, which means that they would play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. And the Tampa Bay Lightning have just eviscerated numerous teams this year. Uh, but Columbus especially. They've won six in a row against the Jackets. They've outscored them 17-3 to three just this year. Columbus does not want to face Tampa. In the first round of the playoffs. So a win tonight, I, I did the math. I don't think the win tonight even jumps the Blue Jackets over the Hurricanes, but it pulls them into a dead heat. The Hurricanes have played one fewer games, so they would still get the tiebreaker. Um, not to overstate things, but big, big game tonight. The one player I want to start off with that I think has really changed the Blue Jackets look and has really ramped it up. Uh, say, in the last 10 days, two weeks, is Josh Anderson. And we've all talked about how much this game has changed, how the the, the uh, fighting and the big hits and all that stuff has gone by the wayside, uh, replaced by skill and speed. But I think Josh Anderson is, is proving, as Tom Wilson with the Capitals has proved over the last couple of years, that big and strong and physical never goes out of style. And uh, this blue jacket, I think they're starting to play pretty well. Has there been one player that has elevated his game more in your guys' opinion in recent days than Josh Anderson? Allison, you want to jump on that one first?
2: Hmm, I was running through the roster as you were, as you were talking this through, I, I, I can't think of any, I mean, other players, I think Bob has gotten back to a little bit of a higher level of play, but yep. there's no one who's elevated and Part of it, too, is how he plays, which is so noticeable, of course, um, in Josh. But um, as I said on our last show, I think it's not only because he's elevating his play, but because of what his play is, as you just described, that, that yeah. he's he's the one that draws the eyeballs right now for sure. And I think, again, it sets the bar for the rest of the team because that's the way this team has to play.
1: Yeah. Tom, this, this kind of play, his style of play never goes out of style does it no
3: no he's uh, and I think you guys have both uh, uh, described it very well you know at this time of year is uh, you need this kind of play and he has been uh, he has been a, a he has really uh, kind of set the tone in, in some recent games uh, the uh, I agree with uh, uh, with Allison's uh, point on Bob I would say if we go if we just condense it into a shorter term in the last couple games. I think another great sign is Matthew Shane, who I mm. think is starting, whose game is starting to come on here since the the Pittsburgh game here uh, in Columbus. Uh, I think on, on Saturday, the days have kind of all well run together, but, but without question, Josh Anderson in that
1: time frame has certainly uh, been terrific. Yeah. Um, we were, we were talking with him uh, at length yesterday Allison, and we've been through this with him before when the conversation turns to Tom Wilson, and that's such a loaded
0: comparison
1: (laughs) because you say Tom Wilson's name and people outside the Washington market think, oh, maybe the dirtiest player in the league right now. Um, And so Josh wants nothing to do with that analogy, but there aren't many players the size of those guys that can move like they do and have skill. Um, obviously Anderson doesn't have the checkered past with the NHL um, supplemental discipline crew that Wilson does, but what are the similarities and the differences between those two guys as you <laughs> see it? Anderson?
2: Yeah. I mean, and it's funny too, because what he said to us is he thinks he plays with a little more skill <laughs> than than Tom Wilson and, and kind of took a, a hint that Tom Wilson's uh, I guess it would be offensive success comes from also who he gets to play with um, on yeah. his line. But I mean obviously the size, obviously the speed, and, and the difference really is and whether it is fair 100% to say this or not, but he, he, he hits – this is Josh. Josh hits but in a different way than Tom Wilson does. Um, and I, you know, his point about the line, as I say, this could be true in the sense that I, I feel like Josh takes more ownership of his line than maybe Tom Wilson does, and that could be because of the talent that he that Tom Wilson plays with. But Josh will just take that puck and streak right to the net, right? Um, so I think there's a little more huh, forwardness, uh, no pun intended, in his offense as compared to Tom Wilson's.
1: Yeah, I mean it is a little. It's it's a cheap shot of sorts from Anderson, <laughs> Anderson yeah. himself, because uh, Mister Wilson scored his twentieth goal last night for the Capitals. Right. I mean it, it's not this guy is not the the butcher of Seville. Um, Tom, you've you've done a lot of writing and thinking and watching of of Tom Wilson. <sighs> I and and nobody wants to admit this because of the stuff that goes with it, but. It's effective. And you see a lot of shrinking violets on the ice when he comes over the boards because he's got everybody's attention. I mean, do, do we yeah. have do we have yeah. to acknowledge that? That no, it's it's not the way that anybody should play and it's bad and he's a he should be suspended and he's done stuff in the past that's dirty. But the yeah. the Canadians do reap benefits from the way that he has played. And the they, they reap benefits because of his <laughs> past,
3: correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no question. The other guy to me that I, I completely and I completely understand the Tom Wilson analogy. The guy he's always reminded me of is another guy in the division is Chris Kreider. 6'3", hmm. 220 pounds, mm-hmm. skates like the wind. Uh, Kreider's got 26 goals this year. I don't know. What's Josh at now? That's a good question. Zeele. I don't think I. I mean, I do not see the Tom when when Tom Wilson is almost even with the defenseman. Tom Wilson may win the battle getting around him may not. Chris Kreider and Josh Anderson. I just picture Josh Anderson going around poor Kevin Hayes this year in overtime, like yeah. like Kevin Hayes wasn't moving. And when Chris Kreider gets a a, a half a step on somebody, he's in on net. And the same with Josh Anderson. I think those. To also, now Kreider has had to dial back his physical game because two years ago he took a series of five-minute penalties. In fact, he took one the other night again, uh, where uh, just he's so big and so strong that he's hammered some people. And Kreider's last couple of years, the other thing about Kreider is he's sometimes sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And I think we would both agree, or all three of us would agree, that. Earlier in Josh Anderson's career, and maybe earlier this season, it's like, all right, Josh, we know you can do it. Come on, come on. There's some consistency issues recently. No, no, no question. Josh has been terrific, but I see I see a, lo- I see a,
1: a lot of uh, Chris Kreider in his game. That's good. That's good. Uh, and Josh was saying yesterday he thinks he got away from his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did all the skill work in the off season, and he started to fancy himself a goal scorer. Uh, but it's pretty clear that somebody got to him uh, before the Pittsburgh game, or, or in that in that uh, vicinity, and and lit a fire under him to play the way he's playing right now. Asked him yesterday if you, can this be sustained for 82 games. In other words, he's gone so hard these last four or five games. Uh, I don't know if you can play that for 82 games, and he he kind of agreed. Um, but I think <laughs> it's, the, it's the time of the season where the foot. And the pedal has to be pushed to the floor here, especially given the situation the Blue Jackets are in. He
3: had a funny Sunday. He had a he had a good, uh, uh, good line. He, he was, we, Jeff Swoboda was asking him similar questions. He's like, well, you know, it is kind of a hard way to play. He was talking with the teammate. He's like, you know, I, I had the hot tub and the cold tub. And Jeff Swoboda, who's doing a nice job writing for the team website, said, so all tubs. Said, yeah, all tubs. <laughs> I've been needing all tubs lately, so. Uh, but yeah, I, he's been terrific, and and you're and you're you're absolutely, I definitely can see the see the Tom Wilson analogy.
2: And yeah. Josh, Josh is at twenty-three goals and seventeen assists
1: this year. Amazing, wow. amazing, yeah. And he hasn't scored for a while, has he? We had the one the other night at the back end. Yeah,
2: feeder. yeah. But that, those yeah. are both he's, career highs for him in terms of NHL play.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, he's also part of the maybe the Blue Jackets' most consistent and um, potent weapon all year, the penalty kill. Mm. Uh, and I know Alex, you've done some sniffing around. On that. It is, it's, it's, um, it's different this year. Uh, John Tortorella was asked last week, maybe earlier this week, has anything changed from this week to la- from this year to last? He said nope, but it has. Uh, it's a much more aggressive group. Um, they push the they push the play way up way up to the blue line and they try to corner. People. They take risks. It is different. It it's, it is more aggressive. It, they they pursue high in the zone. Uh, they take chances. I think it's sort of an extension of the approach they want all over the ice. Um, it it's been really really good of late as well. Allison, tell us about the Blue Jackets penalty killing and how important that that is this time of year
2: yeah, I mean, it it's amazing when you look, I mean, let's see, I'm pulling this up right now. They have in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, in twelve in the last twelve games, they've only allowed a a power play goal twice. And that's crazy. Yeah. And you know, I think particularly for this team, when they're struggling offensively, at least they know they're not allowing the other team to score when the other team has the advantage. So I think, you know, from a confidence perspective, it's been huge and it's been huge on the scoreboard as well, because when they couldn't get, when the jackets couldn't get the puck in the net themselves, the last thing you need to do is give the other team any free shots. Um, But it's been really dynamic. It's second in the league right now. And um, we're digging around. We're going to, we're going to see if we can't find some stuff out about, what's changed, what exactly they're doing. And, um, it should be interesting because what they're doing is it, in terms of even how they're setting up, um, is pretty progressive. And, uh, I'm intrigued to see where this goes.
1: Yeah. I think their power plays given up more goals than their penalty kill lately.
2: <laughs> You're probably true.
1: Ben, um, uh, your thoughts. Yes.
3: Uh, well, first of all, it's interesting that, um, when you think about the last two years, they lost two of their best penalty killers, right? Or mm-hmm. who they thought were their yep. best penalty killers, Matt Calvert and William Carlson, who mm-hmm. I believe used to kill them together, correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it is amazing how you can just plug guys in like this, and they can have an impact. And not only are they preventing goals, and, and I don't mean just scoring goals, but they have, in as these games have grown more important, just the last two home games, the game against Pittsburgh. I don't know if they get a shorthanded goal there, but they certainly, I think they did. Did they they not? They got a shorthanded goal, in the Pittsburgh game. Oh yeah. That was the Phil Kessel, the pile of Phil Kessel is as, as Aaron (laughs) (laughs) pointed out. Uh, And they also had a a goal that came, they came right out of the box and scored the first goal right out of the box. Jenner comes out of the box and the same thing happens, I believe on, whatever Tuesday night against Boston. They had a goal yeah. right after they kill a penalty. So uh, it's certainly giving them a lot of momentum beyond just know stopping scoring that it's kind of leading them to score lately. So yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been their most consistent aspect of their game, facet of their game
1: all season. Yeah. And they've, they've taken a lot of pride in it too. You can see like sometimes the, the PK, Treat, uh, treat so, some guys treat it as drudgery. I, this team seems to really have their their uh, arms wrapped around it. Um, uh, one thing we got to talk about that game on Tuesday, the Bruins game, where I think a big part of it was um, they finally got some bounces. You saw the goal that Zingle scored below uh, the from below the goal line after with a couple of whacks at the puck. You saw Jenner going harder than that after the Anderson shot to score. Um, all of the stuff that kind of wasn't going in in recent games, the, the floodgates seemed to open a little bit. So that's good news. But in that game was a, was a really, really unusual scene. And, it, 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 Tom, you picked up on it uh, after the fact, as we all did. The Bruins come back from 5-1 down, and, ne- and next thing you know, it's 5-4, scoring late in the second period. Blue Jackets had four guys on the ice for the five-four goal, and they weren't—they—they should not have been shorthanded, and they were. Uh, take us through this—I've never seen that before. I've never noticed that before. We've all seen too many men on the ice, rarely too few. Uh, Tom, tell us about that. Well, I
3: think it's one of those things that it, it occasionally happens when in you know, a line change, right? You just don't get a guy out there, and the flow of the game. Where, where you're maybe slow getting a guy off and all of a sudden the team comes back the other way and you're only defending with four guys. But this is a static situation. This should never happen. You have an opportunity to change. So what happens is uh, I believe the groupings that were on the ice were Wierenski and Jones and Riley Nash and Jenner was taking the face off. And of course it's a defensive zone draw yep. um, and they're getting ready to drop the puck and – they drop it, and immediately goes right to Brad Marchand, who uses Wierenski as a screen, and they score. Now, if 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 the fifth guy would have been on the ice, he would have been over in that area, and I think the Blue Jackets attack it a little bit differently. Now that again, the puck goes right to to Marchand on the side, so I, I maybe they don't, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they have a second guy out there. It's very interesting. Um, you know, John Tortorella, I was not at practice yesterday, but I, I understand that he was asked again yesterday about it and he's still not commenting. Is that
1: correct? That is correct.
3: Yeah. It is, uh, you know, to echo your point and talking to some other people that have been around the league for a while, they've never seen anything like that. They've never seen a team line up with only four guys in the ice, which of course does point to somebody blew it, somebody forgot to go on the ice. And, the, the face-off, the other th- interesting thing about the face-off is it occurs right after Artemi Panarin is let out of the penalty box. Now, Correct. I, fans all remember that, that Brett got in this, this, I called it a lightweight, you called it a welterweight scrap, but it was entertaining <laughs> as hell uh, with Charlie McElboy and it was a hell of a fight. And, of course, uh, listening to Tortorella, Tortorella sound like burnt sugar. He was describing it, and he was throwing lefts, and he was throwing rights. He, he, was lo- he was switching hands. He loved it. I mean, he might as well have been Jack Edwards calling the fight. But anyway, so as that happens, the fans start applauding, and the Blue Jackets at the bench start applauding, and guys are hammering sticks, and guys are, like, congratulating him. And you just wonder if whoever it was that was supposed to go out there, and normally I think we that's Nick Felino, maybe?
1: That's where he uh, hit the Yeah.
3: So, again, we don't know if they were juggling lines or what. So, I'm not pinning blame on anybody. But I, you just wonder if someone got caught up watching bread coming over the ice and just
1: wanted to be, hey,
3: buddy, great job. And they, oh they go out God. there and they have four guys on the ice.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like the kid getting excited about the juice boxes and the dugout and forgetting to take the field. <laughs> I mean, you got to be out there. Um I think part of it too like there's a you mentioned Brett's coming out of the penalty box everyone's excited I think another part of it is the face off is way down on the left corner in the defensive zone and the Blue Jackets benches on the far end of the ice I think that may have impacted their ability to see who to count numbers to see who is out there like well, that, that, you that, know what though the, the the other guys on the ice didn't know yeah right well, you yeah and even Marinsky described describes you like he was like, "Wait a minute, where's the?" And then the puck, the puck drops, and oh, it's breaking Bob. Bob, and you would think the goalie,
3: either the goalie or the center. And I did not talk to Jenner, so I don't know. But the goalie, you would think, who's got more invested in it than anybody. Right. But Bob, I talked to Bob. He's like, "I didn't know until after the fact that we had a four guys." You watch the uh, the the telecast. At least Alice and I rewound the telecast upstairs to kind of confirm my initial thoughts or or what I'd heard, and it's like. They didn't mention it. It's just yeah. it's one of these things that just kind
1: of it's really weird. Well, I was thinking yesterday. You know, they won the game. It's been two days. Maybe Tortorella's ready to joke about this because he does. He has. He can have a self-deprecating sense of humor, or he can. He can find humor in those sort of things. Not ready to. Not ready to joke about it at all. Don't even ask me that. Um, which makes you wonder if. You know, maybe this is, I don't know, Allison, is this something that's maybe more serious than, than we're uh, considering? Because I think it's kind of funny now that they got away with it.
2: Right. I mean, I, you you made this point in your chat yesterday, and I, and I think the real thing here is this isn't about embarrassing anyone or trying to, to call anyone out on the carpet. We just legitimately want to know how it happened. Right? Because it's so crazy rare. And from that person and I feel like all of these things, these things that are good, these things that are bad, these things that are crazy, they always inform and help your understanding of the game and how, like, to, to everything we're just saying, we don't know how it was supposed to be figured out who was supposed to be out there. Was a player supposed to just know based on their line ass- assignment? Was Tort supposed to tell every forward who was supposed to be out there? We don't know. So... It, it will inform a little bit more of how the whole game works and and I'm just curious as hell what went on. And to your point, no better time to ask them when it works out. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't end up costing right.
3: them. Yeah that would have been a major major you know if well, they go
2: on to lose that game and regulate well, especially yeah. on regulation,
3: I, I mean that is becomes that becomes an issue that we're not joking about for days but talking about for days, right,
1: correct. Correct. I and mean, that's something that ends up in, you know, that becomes news everywhere. It, now, yeah, it's 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 it becomes a, a story around the league. Yes. Uh, and
3: again, fortunately for them, and fortunately for the players, uh, that wasn't the case. And it was uh, again, they they come back and they hang on and win that game. But oh my goodness, if they if
1: they would have lost that game. True. So true. Um. Yeah, so Blue Jackets in the Carolina, and so it begins. They have Boston tomorrow. Tom will be there with him in Boston. How many days are you staying in Boston, Tom, with the St. Patrick's Day around? You? Oh
3: my goodness, uh, just two. Uh, tonight I get there tonight
1: uh, later t-
3: today, and then tomorrow. Well, unfortunately, I got plenty of work to do today, so I
1: probably nice. won't be able to partake in the revelry. Nice. Uh, and then they fly Sunday from Boston to Calgary. Uh, so begins a, th- a, a three-game Western Canada swing. These aren't uh, – Calgary's a really good team this year. Edmonton, Vancouver, not so much. But Columbus is 0-3 against these, these three teams. So uh, they've got some work to do on this road trip. It feels like it's starting to get really interesting now. Um, and I'm wondering if you guys look at – that Tuesday game is proof that there is an offensive awakening. We have gone over this before, or if you're still concerned about this club's ability to consistently score, because they have they've been shut out three of their last seven games, and yet if you look at, I think they scored as many games Tuesday as they had in their previous six. Um, have they figured some things out here, or were that just was that just a game of lucky bounces, Allison?
0: I
2: mean, I think. I think they started to figure things out well before that game. It was just that game was where the luck started to kick in and and the pucks got in the net. I mean, I when we when I looked at what's happened since the trade deadline, I mean, their shooting percentage has almost halved since the deadline, which is insane. Like that just doesn't happen. That that is Now they they played poorly in a couple games, but That is a just sheer statistical weird thing. So if I, I mean, I make it sound simplistic, but if they can continue to play the right way, like they have since the two Pittsburgh games, then I think the pucks are going to start to fall. I don't think they're going to get seven goals every game, but I think the pucks are going to start to fall because even if their shooting percentage now just returns to league average, they're still going to be better off than they've been. Over the course of the last nine.
1: Now, are they taking different shots, or is it just bad luck?
2: I mean, it's it's they've taking yeah, they're taking a few less, and they are taking a few that aren't as high quality, but it's not stark enough to drive literally half a fifty percent decrease in your shooting percentage. So, you know, again, if they can, if they can keep playing the way they are, if they can push a little bit, and we're talking like a matter of one to two shots a game, we're not talking, oh my gosh, they, they're they taking everything from the blue line now and they're only taking, you know, half as many shots. Right. But if they, if they can put a little bit more on there, it, 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 they should fall. I mean, and what's interesting to me that I found that I did not expect at all is that defensively, they've actually been a little bit better in terms of what they're allowing their opponents to do against them. And, you know, this is a team I've I've beaten this drum all year that they're walking a really fine margin in terms of the advantages they create for themselves versus what they give up. And so they've actually done the defensive work to improve that margin. So if they can just get back to where they were offensively, they're actually creating a little bit more breathing room for themselves in terms of game in and game out, which would be really important this time of year.
1: Yeah. Tom, I feel like the defense has sort of settled down a little bit here. Um, like Nunavar looked better. I think McQuaid has looked like he's starting to figure things out in Columbus a little bit. He and Harrington have been okay in the third pair. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. 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 They, 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 they've been better the last two games.
3: Um, yeah, but I think it's, it's all going to be the work of the, the top four, right? I mean, uh, those are the guys that are going to have to play well down the stretch for them to get in. Uh, I doesn't, I don't think it hurts that Wierenski scored his first goal since December 31st because it's, it's so amazing that last year he had a very similar streak. It was 25 games, almost the exact same time of the year. Hmm. And then he ended up scoring five goals in the last 17 games, which as you guys remember, uh, coincided with that 10 game winning streak or maybe nine or 10 game winning streak got him in. So I'm sure they're hoping that maybe he can get his offensive game going, at least scoring goals. You know, you can't have your two best defensemen have such a. You know, we we put a lot of it on the forwards, but you know, you have two defensemen who I think last year scored 16 goals each. Maybe it may. I'm just throwing this off the top of my head. You know, they had a combined two goals since January 5th. That uh, just can't. That's, talk about it. I don't know, Allison. Uh, whether shooting percentage or whatever, however you ever want to say it, but that's extraordinary. that two guys that good could go so long with having so few goals. So maybe that, maybe the dam breaks a little bit for uh, for for Seth. Uh, I'm sorry for for Zach. And then also, I think Seth's game is starting to come now too. So there's some encouraging
1: signs back there. And I agree with Nudavari. he's been better recently. It's crazy to me too that that uh, can. Basically take January, February, and half of March off from goal scoring. <laughs> from goal scoring, and still has ten. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's no question that that, 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 that that
3: when when the Blue Jackets coaching staff came to him, uh, John Tortorella came to him and said, "Look, we've got. He had nine games in his, nine goals in his first 37 games, but he was also." He was like the guy that was keeping both both teams in the game with the way he was playing, right? Right. Because he was not it's, – It's he's since gotten – he's since steadied his defensive play, but there was, a, there was a stretch there in December to November. It's like, what is going on with him? He just uh, did not seem like he was really playing well behind the red line, and I think yeah. he's corrected that to a point. But you have to wonder if it did affect his offensive approach for a little. Allison – had pulled some some numbers for me the other day, and you know it has impacted his game a little bit, even to even slightly to where he was shooting the puck right, Allison. Yep. He yep. was not, he was shooting it a little bit more from distance, maybe not getting as close to the net because he was trying to focus like I don't want to get caught here. Right. Uh, uh, so so maybe now at the most important time this season, he's found a balance and that would be that would be big
1: for the Blue Jackets. He felt like he was playing easy and free the other night.
3: He looked like it, sure. He sure, sure. He looked, and I mean, three assists too. I mean, a career game. So that's a good sign for
1: them. You know what's what's uh, hilarious and crazy uh, to me is that if you look at the Blue Jackets franchise list for goals by defensemen, Seth Jones is already two, and Orensky is already four.
2: Crazy. <laughs>
1: and they could easily be one, two by the end of the season. Jones right. is just two behind Klesla, and they've they've barely <laughs> been here for they haven't been here for four years. So, huh. All right. Anything else we need to get to, folks? A uh, big one tonight against Carolina. Anything else we need to add in in here?
2: One thing I'll I'll add quickly is that um, obviously the Jackets play Friday and Saturday, but Sunday. At the shot, the Ohio State men are hosting Penn State in the Big Ten Tournament semifinals. Um, those two teams—they <laughs> put on some entertaining hockey when they play. Uh, Penn yeah. State's a high, high-powered offense. Uh, they shoot the puck a ton. So, um, and it's—it's a, it's a, this is a big deal for the Buckeyes. They're they're ramping up to get into the NCAA tournament as well. So, um, a nice afternoon activity if you're looking for some more hockey on Sunday.
3: Excellent. Tom, anything to to add? I would just tell readers, obviously, to go back and read Allison's guideposts, which was posted yesterday, and your story, uh, kind of dovetailing off what we just talked about, about the importance of this game, which was just posted on The
1: Athletic, the game against Carolina tonight. You're unbelievable, Tom. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And we'll be with you post-game tonight. Uh, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes from Nationwide Arena. Looking forward to it. And we'll talk to you all on Tuesday. Take care.